0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Demystified, as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda, and I'm here with my friend Paul. Hey, Paul.
1: Good morning, Monday.
0: How are you, Paul? Monday. (laughs) Well, after... uh, It is Monday today. Monday. And... And I have, um, I've had a very ordinary uh, weekend cooking, I must say. I must fall on my sword and say something that I've made many times before didn't work. And I'm, I did blame the fact that I'm using my bottom oven, which I don't use very often. And no I, excuse. I know. But it was my excuse and I'm sticking to it. But I just think this is a great topic for when your recipe fails, how do you recover?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you can't.
0: Well, I couldn't with the pork. This I must is the say. thing.
1: So, um, sometimes you can't recover. So, part of the like and recipes may be a bit specific. Okay. So when you're cooking fails, I think. Okay. Cooking fails. Because first. yeah. Well, I wasn't. If you follow a recipe, a recipe yeah. then hopefully you read all the method and. Use all the ingredients. (laughs) Um, But how to recover like midstream. So this is something that um, is learnt over time. So it's not something that you just can instantaneously know what to do. It's something that you learn over time. And it's particularly learnt when you're cooking in restaurants, okay, because things go bad all the time. Half the reason that there's a lot of, and it's changed significantly, but a lot of restaurants are away from the view of customers and behind the scenes is so you don't get to see those failures because things like pro cooks all the time make mistakes.
0: No, I can't believe that. Yeah, but
1: it's, it's, it's no different to a, um, pro golfer who hits a bad shot or, you know, you have off, you have bad We're days.
0: you an accountant who sometimes can't balance. Yeah, books. exactly yeah. right.
1: Like, everyone has an off day. Right. So, but the question is, is how do you recover from that? So, in the case of when you're doing things, and I'm probably going to use a few examples of my history, but in the case of doing things like baking and pastry cooking, it's very hard to recover on the run. Generally, because if there's much more accuracy and science required to do good quality baking and or pastry cooking. So everything needs to be weighed correctly. All the ingredients need to be, you know, you need to have fresh yeast. You need to make sure your baking powder is still good. Um, your eggs, all of those things um, play a part. The water content of your butter, like all sorts of stuff will change what happens in your recipe. But, On the run, if you have forgotten something, and like I say, I'm going to use a bit of historical reference here, but you leave eggs out of a cake, what do you do? Okay, so first one is recognising what's happened, so you don't do it again. But the second one is is don't look at it as though I can't use that or it's a fail. So half the skill in recovering from making a mistake, is to look at it and go, what can I use that for instead? So not bin it, but what can I use that for instead? Some of the most famous recipes of all time were, or dishes or creations of all time were because of a mistake. So probably one of the most famous is tat a
0: Really?
1: Yeah. So the story goes, and... Look, people can argue with me about the accuracy of the story, but the story goes that there were two sisters, the Tatan sisters, that was their surname. They were both cooks and they were cooking a very special meal for someone like a Louis the 14th type cat, cat, like I'm not sure who, uh, and apple pie was on the menu. Now, apple pie was made and then dropped on the floor. And if you scroll back through our history, You remember I did that devil's food cake, which I dropped on the floor. (laughs) Um, So those things happen. So that is a part of a mistake, like it's a fail. So what did they do to fix it? No time, got no time to make a new pastry base, blind bake it, do a new apple filling, bake, rebake it, cool it in time to serve. So what did they do? They went, well, why don't we just cook our apples in a caramel in the pan, put some pastry on top and then flip it upside down. Happy days. One of the most celebrated French desserts was born. So in the case of like what you went through a while back, leave eggs out of your cake mix. Okay. So you had a really dense pancake style chocolate disc. (laughs) But it's not about not being able to use that as a cake. See, I look at something like that and go, okay, if I was in a commercial kitchen, what could I do with that? So what I would have done is I would have gone, okay, it's got chocolate flavor, it's got sugar in it, um, it's got sort of a biscuity type feel. I probably would have crumbed it and made a cookies and cream ice cream or a brownie type ice cream, thrown it in an ice cream. Or you could essentially crumb it up and use it as a part of another dish or, the crumb for the outside of the icing of the cake. So it's not so much about failing the recipe or what's happened, it's about what you can do with what you've got. In the case of something like doing a roast pork, and I'm only using topical stuff that we've recently talked about, roast pork how do you like and it's quite specific, but how do you how do you recover from an overcooked piece of meat? Yeah. Now not roast pork, but You didn't get the crackle. So that's one specific thing. But how do you, if you overcook a piece of steak or how do you recover from that? Well, A, you can't. Okay. You can't change that outcome, but what you can do is change what you put with it. So if you were going for, let's say a nice piece of roasted fillet steak, okay, only because we did it recently and, and, it's a bit dry. You're not super happy with the texture. Da, 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 da. Rather than serve it as an overcooked roasted steak with whatever, like the traditional, what I would then do is maybe let it cool, really finely slice it so you're not getting the impact of the hardness of the overcooked beef in this case. Um, and I would mix it with like a you know citrus-heavy dressing to sort of soften it a little bit. Uh, or a a vineyard or, you know, something like that and make a sort of a warm type salad situation where you're not going to notice maybe as much as a big hunter overcooked beef on your plate. Mm. So don't think that when you make a mistake, it's all just dead and buried and gone. Sometimes it is, there's no doubt. But sometimes you can, you know, do other things with it, I suppose is is the lesson. In the case of, like, not developing a crackle on your pork, It happens, like, seriously, the most common question, you know, every single cooking demonstration I've had is will it crisp my pork skin? Like, will this oven make good crackle? Just dispel a few myths here. Ovens will play a part in making a good crackle, but your preparation beforehand will really dictate how good the crackle is or not.
0: And when you say preparation, what do you mean by that?
1: Uh, well, how you look after and prepare, the, in this case, the piece of pork before you cook it and, and the steps you take leading up to that. So it's not just about the cook itself. Yes, there are things that can go wrong in the cook itself, but in the case of pork crackle, that's an easy recovery, relatively. But it's only an easy recovery if the steps prior have actually been close or relatively close to what they should be. So you just told me before we started talking that um, Dougie put a weight.
0: Oh, he we put a, some uh, paper towel. Yeah. And then a, just a, a board and then a little weight on it just to sort of keep it all flat. But I think when I saw that... So was I, it pork belly? Pork belly. Yeah. So when I came home, he, he said, oh, "I was this okay? And I... I thought, yeah, that's okay. I didn't think we should have just taken it off because normally we just put it in on an open plate in the bottom shelf of the fridge. Yeah. But I looked at it and I thought, yeah, that looks okay. It's not covered up, it's out of its plastic, it's yeah. out of the, the packet we bought it in from, I think you got it from the meat well. And, and how many
1: pork bellies have you done? I don't know, 30, 20. How many 20 have failed? Lots. Lots.
0: Well, no, not since you've started. No, 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 no. No, no but, I mean, like, but before that, I've always had trouble. Yeah. Before that, I would have always had trouble with whatever piece of pork it was trying okay. to crackle. Your it.
1: instantaneous, like, comment to me was, well, I don't have my steam oven, so I'm not going to get crackle. True? Well,
0: because it wasn't, yes, because I was cooking in a bigger cavity and I yeah. had the time in the...
1: dry heat oven, yeah. only. Yeah. Okay, so...
0: Not that I know steam doesn't cause the crackle, but it was... The the speed with which the steam oven, because it's a smaller cavity and heats up quicker.
1: Yeah. Which is not the only reason.
0: No, but for for me, it's how I I have that pork in there at that time and I use the bottom oven for maybe the vegetables. Using it all for one, I just felt I was all out of whack.
1: Yeah. So if we look at the process that happened before you got yourself out of whack... If we take your piece of pork as an example, I would say to you that's what you said to me, which is we usually just leave it in the fridge uncovered. Now, I've taught you Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So what you've essentially done is now changed that part of the preparation of the pork. You, Dougie, who cares? doesn't matter. And so what you did was put a weight on it and put a piece of paper towel and put a chopping board over it. So the skin is now no longer exposed to the moving air. No. Okay, half the theory, and it's a theory because some people will argue what works best or not, half the theory is drawing the skin out will give you a better crackle. What you've now done is, although you had a piece of paper towel on it, that piece of paper towel would have drawn moisture from the fridge and passed that onto your pork skin. Okay. And because you've covered it and weighed it down, some of the moisture from within the pork will also have... It was
0: actually a bit wet. I was a bit surprised. It was, now that you say that, it was actually... I had to take another piece and dampen it and, like, dry it off. Yeah. And I thought that was unusual.
1: But here's the problem with that, is that because you've, to some degree, put a weight on it, you've helped bring moisture to the surface, which is the total opposite of what we think works best, which is dry the skin out, and you've gone, oh, I'll get some more paper towel and dry it off. The moisture's already up at the surface on the skin. So you're going to have... The only way to have properly rescued that would have been to throw it back in the fridge for a day, totally uncovered, nothing to do with it. Because fridges, it seems counterintuitive, but fridges dry food out. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, yeah. So they, they dry yeah. things or, out. Yeah,
1: cheese. They don't add moisture. Right. Like humidity, yes, yeah. sometimes, depending on where you put it in your fridge. But okay. they, they dry food out. So in the case of the piece of pork, um, you've created an environment where it's almost kind of sweating a little bit. It's not sweating because it's not hot, but it's you've put moisture on it. Well, you've added moisture to it. Now, again seems counterintuitive, but the enemy of pork crackle is moisture. Even though we cook it with steam, when we do our roast pork, sometimes we do a Mm. combination. You've got to remember that's different to actual moisture. You're working in an oven that's pretty hot, and yes, we're putting steam in it, but that that steam dissipates relatively quickly in the environment Mm. that's already hot. And what we actually use the steam for is to help carry the temperature because steam carries temperature Somebody's I think, eight times more effectively than just dry heat. So I would suggest to you that it's not the oven at all. It was your preparation before you got it into the oven, which was the problem. Now, how do you recover from that? Pretty much what you did. So tell everyone what you did.
0: What I did was turn on the grill part of the oven and raise the pork up high. Yeah. And keep a really close eye on it because... Even though I tried, because it's an uneven piece of pork belly, yeah, and so I, for
1: our American friends, we're talking about broiling.
0: And I put some crushed small amounts of paper of uh, baking paper underneath to raise it up so that it was fairly even on top with the pork belly and okay. so the skin. So even even that, even though I had the um, the grill on the yeah. heating element, it was still blistering in parts and not blistering in others. And I had to keep a really close eye on it from just burning. Yeah, okay. So
1: this is a really good example too. So a couple of things within that technique I would do differently. Crushing up your bits of paper to try and even out the top surface area, use foil because if your paper catches on fire.
0: I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah, and foil actually will hold Okay, a little bit better as far as the shape goes. Okay, and if you were to name the shelf level, but one being the highest and five being the lowest, which shelf level did you put your pork on?
0: Two. Yeah, and you it had was your grill also had high. Yeah, and or your broiler on. Yeah, and it high was also it like. on a little stand.
1: Yeah, picking it up a little bit higher. Picking
0: it up a little. That's why. Yeah. So it was fairly high.
1: So. The difference is, is that when most people do a roast pork, and this is sort of you know, broader to the topic that we're talking about is how you recover. When most people do a roast pork, they do exactly that, right? They get a little bit sort of, not panicked, but they get a little bit, ah, oh, crap.
0: Yeah.
1: My, my pork hasn't crackled. I'll just crank it under the grill or broiler or salamander to get that crackle back. Nothing wrong with that, but the biggest problem with that is that everyone puts it up too high. If you actually had have dropped it down to probably shelf three, so almost midway in the oven, and actually let the radiant heat come down not as directly, you probably would have found that it would have taken longer, number one, but it would have crackled more evenly. So you would have recovered that crackle, and you wouldn't have had to worry about... I know what you're talking about because it's not perfectly flat. Mm. So you had dips and troughs, yeah? Yeah. But if you had radiant heat coming down, a little bit more. In, if you had the distance between where you actually have the exposed heat element and the piece of pork, it would have given a chance for those bits that are a bit higher. Yes, they will always crackle faster. But the the troughs, the bits that are a bit lower, probably would have crackled. It's just you had it up too high. Okay. So those are the yeah. things that when you make a mistake, everyone. Not everyone, but a lot of people instantaneously go, okay, I've let's say the reverse. You've undercooked your piece of beef. Everyone directly goes for intense, super high, hot. When they're trying to fix something, it's always the super heat we go for. You know what I mean? Yeah, the quick, like,
0: the quick injection. Yeah,
1: correct. Yeah. And it's not always applicable. And it's not always going to help you. So, yes, you're working with super high intense heat because it's an exposed heating element in the top of your oven, but you actually haven't given it a chance to expose that heat to enough spots on your piece of pork. You're only exposing it to bits.
0: Mm. And that's what that's what exactly what happened. Yeah. So parts of it didn't crackle.
1: Yeah. But I would suggest to you that if you actually took steps back,
0: mm.
1: and the thing with pork crackle is it's not only that, it's how well it's scored on the skin. That matters a lot. So lots of scores, I've said this before, really close together, will give you a better crackle. It gets some of that moisture out. Um, so if you don't score it. Now the, the method we use for our pork belly, the long one, you know, where we steam, where we cure it and then steam yeah. it, and it, it's totally different. That's very because different. that pork crackle is different to yeah, crispy, different. Yeah. regular pork crackle. It's kind of crunchy and got a bit of chew to it. Um, So yeah, don't always go the intense high heat is gonna fix my problem. Just if something goes wrong, just take a step back. And actually the way I do it is take a step back and think through all the cooking methods that I know. So do I need to shallow fry it, deep fry it, steam it? What's the best method I can apply here to fix whatever's going on? Because it's not always stick it in a pan and pan fry it really hot. It's not always that. It's not always put it right up the top as close to the heat element. Because when you turn your grill on high, what happens is, is that the grill will get super, super hot, super, super fast. And if your pork sitting up the top there, it's gonna burn before you actually get any real results. So if you actually drop your pork down, turn the grill on and do it from cold grill. So it gives a chance for those higher bits to crackle and the lower bits to sort of catch up a little bit. It's never gonna be perfect, but you will have some sort of recovery. And then we talk, like we've talked before about how do you recover You know, mayonnaise that's split or a, a hollandaise or emulsion sources that have split. Rule of thumb there is that if you're doing a cold emulsion like a mayonnaise, some warm water and a hot emulsion like a hollandaise or a bernace some cold water will always help those fats come back together. The fat come back together. So the emulsion come back together. So there is ways to recover your stuff. I suppose the point of this is is don't always think it's a high heat way. And if you do make a mistake and it's something that you can't fix, I remember working in a big production pastry kitchen where we would hand roll about three and a half thousand croissants a day. And they hired a new head pastry chef and he was this fantastic guy. And, da, 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 da. and for... Now... This was mass production, and for, I think it was a month straight, he forgot to put yeast in the dough. So we had a month's worth of production of croissants and danishes with no yeast in them. So I used to work the afternoon shift, so I would actually be the baker, and I would bake all these off. I'd prove them, get everything out, da-da-da. And I was putting trays upon trays, and we're talking thousands, thousands, into the prover, and we had huge provers, and they just weren't proving because there was no yeast in them that you can't recover no you can't and you bake them and they are just like little rock cakes but you could probably smash them up i mean on that scale what's the point but you could probably smash them up and use them as you know like a bread and butter pudding there you go like something you know something so don't always go, okay, I've made a chocolate cake. It didn't work because I forgot the eggs. It's a fail. What else could it be? That's how you need to view when the cook goes bad. What else can it be? It doesn't have to be what you originally intended it to be. You're a little bit limited when you're working in a restaurant because you have a menu.
0: And people waiting, and for... people
1: waiting <laughs> for something specific. But nonetheless, like, what could it be? If it didn't work out to what it was meant to be, what could it be? And that's probably the best piece of advice I can give. If if your cook fails, it's not the end of the world. It's just think about an alternative cooking method to try and bring it back to what you wanted it to be. And if that doesn't work, what else could it be?
0: Interesting, because I'm just now thinking of all the times <laughs> I've... I've uh,
1: the cogs are spinning, people. Are,
0: and you can see the, the, the wheels turning, sadly. But it's... I remember having our beautiful friends George and Angie over and making a tagine and we bought backstraps and I thought, oh, that'll cook pretty quickly, but it was the wrong thing for the tagine because all the liquid and the veggies in the tagine needed longer to cook than the the backstraps did. And so they were really tough and my my beautiful friends were very polite that day about how, no, 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 it's okay, but it was terrible.
1: Yeah, but that... So you were saying putting back straps in a tagine? Mm, see so
0: wrong, which was wrong. I thought it'd be quick, but the veggies didn't take they took way longer to cook and the liquid was Yeah. In the bottom of the tagine hadn't done its bit yet.
1: But you see the like you the whole premise of that from the get go was the wrong cut.
0: Yes, totally the wrong cut. Yeah. Slow cook, not a backstrap. No. Which takes three minutes on it. Yeah. A, and it's super pan.
1: expensive, so it's nice for those living the high life. Well, they're, they're
0: <laughs> I told you they're my beautiful friends, um, but it was uh, the wrong meal to cook, the wrong, uh, yeah, so I,
1: cook. Yeah. wrong way. Yeah. So
0: you're right, it does, like everything, it does start with a preparation. Correct. That's like when duckies learnt to fly, for those who might have heard me say that already, most accidents in the air happen on the ground first. And uh, I guess this is the same example, but... yeah. When you do think about it, the number of times I've failed, it's because I haven't done something simple, basic, check the recipe. Yeah,
1: but it's not just you.
0: No, no. Yeah. It's just, it's everybody. You
1: take it quite personally. I do.
0: <laughs> I, do. I do. I do, I do, But, yeah. uh, well, thank you for that. No worries. And um, I can't think of anything else I've, I can really uh, ask you here about that. Because no, I we
1: can bring it up again when you mess something make else it, up make, <laughs> make something else. well thanks for that happy no cooking everyone bye. You
0: bye thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world we'd love you to subscribe and for more information please go to our website cookingwithsteam.com.